That's a growler. Welcome back to Beauty and the Beast The Minute, the podcast where we break down and analyze Beauty and the Beast, one castle cleaning minute at a time. I'm Bobby from Growler Media. And I'm Janae from JanaeHyatt.com. And we are back once again to talk about minute 56 of Beauty and the Beast. And a disclaimer once again that this is not the minute 56 you grew up with. This <laughs> is one of the minutes that was added back into the movie with the 25th anniversary edition that we are using uh, because it gives us more movie to talk about. <laughs> right. <laughs> minute 56 starts off with the weird like beauty items that we talked about last time cowering in fear as the wardrobe tries to crush them <laughs> and ends with everyone singing someone might break the spell as the dogoman plays with a candle stand thing i don't know what those are called uh candelabra is it a candelabra i don't it, know it, it's like a full like i was gonna call it like a coat rack but it has candles on it i don't know i didn't take the time to look it up because i was busy looking up other things okay but first i have to say i don't think she's trying to crush them <laughs> i feel like this is one of the main things that i noticed about her in this minute is that she is kind of blissfully unaware <laughs> yeah. of her own mm, i can't figure out what the word is but kind of not klutziness, not... I, I don't know what the word is, but where's my note about this? So it's kind of her inattentiveness to her own strength and size. Yeah, she's not used to her you largesse. Know? I kind of like that about her is that you get the feeling that like out of all of the the like main characters that we get to know a little more, she's the one that's kind of least comfortable in her, her transformed state. But and at the same time, she is. It's like she is comfortable, but she's acting as she would yes. when she was a human mm -hmm. and it's not translating yeah. because of her size. Do you know what I mean? You hit the nail on the head. That's what I was ah. thinking and trying to get across because yeah i mean she acts as she would it's not like she is being timid or anything but she's just like doesn't even think about being a wardrobe right you know she talks about not fitting through the door and stuff that would get through <laughs> you know when she's singing her lines and she talks about wanting to do the things she did when she was a human as far as wearing makeup and all that stuff she totally looks like she is wearing makeup by the way with yeah. those blue eyelids and stuff i'm like uh you have to be wearing lipstick and rouge. <laughs> In the beginning of the minute, I mean, I'm kind of colorblind, so I can't tell. Like, she definitely puts on makeup when she's singing about it. So, in the one shot, she's got... Her normal oh. face, and then it goes to having the the blue eyelids, and she puts on lipstick right. and stuff. But I couldn't remember if during the rest of the movie she had you know makeup and stuff. I'm guessing she didn't. Um, Probably not. She looks really weird with the makeup on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think. Uh, which where is she in this scene? Because she talks about not being able to fit through the door, but it doesn't look like Belle's room to me, or is it? Am I? And I just don't. I can't. 
I'm not sure if the background matches. Mm, I don't remember the floor in Bell's room, what kind of tile it was. The walls look like they're probably pretty similar. Again, I probably should have looked this up and gone back to It the feels images. like what they've done is they've just created this huge room and only put minuscule furnishings in there. Mm -hmm. Like the only furnishings besides her that are in this massive room are the palm tree, which why there's a palm <laughs> tree in France, I don't know, unless they have palm trees in france and i just wasn't aware of that and then the um oh what's it called the dressing table mm -hmm. yeah and that's what that's what really gives us which room she might be in because there's a dressing table and there's the makeup items so it's like okay well, it's probably Belle's room plus that's where we saw her before and she says she can't fit through the door but they didn't put like the bed or the carpet and they made the room look so huge i mean i know yeah. the room's huge compared to bell but i don't feel like i don't know i feel like the scale <laughs> is a little off but it's minuscule i can forgive them for that i really like the the wordplay in the song i mean we're we're getting into the uh, song and the more and more i listen to it the more i like the song and it's getting stuck in my head and i know you know that's how it works but i really like you know the little things that are in most disney movies but the the wordplay as wardrobe she's singing about being top drawer and <laughs> you know stuff like that that's like uh -huh, she's a wardrobe singing about the drawers Right. Uh, I loved um, they fit some French words in here. Mm -hmm. Sherry, meaning for anybody who doesn't know, means sweetheart. Um, okay, I can't really pronounce this very well. She says, I'll exude savoir-faire. Yeah. Did you look that up? Well, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. What does it mean? <laughs> okay, so savoir-faire, how we use it, like in English, it's like having an ability to speak or act appropriately in social situations or like having an expertise in something but literally it's savoir which is to know the french verb to know and then faire which is like spanish if you know spanish hacer it's not like one meaning it's like to do or to make to have you know there's like a jillion different meanings you can uh, associate it with especially in french they use it for a ton of stuff so like to know everything yeah so i mean uh, kind of mean. A, a literal translation would be like know how like savoir faire know how or hmm. you know expertise Mm -hmm, mm hmm. I love it. There you go. French lesson for the day. French lesson for the day. And you said it. It sounded like you said it very well. So. Well, I do know a little bit of French. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know any. <laughs> I mean, I guess I know like a few words, but. There's those college um, electives you got to take. Ah, uh, college. Another thing that I looked up. I don't know if you looked this up, but did you check out what "get down to brass tacks" meant? I did not. Because I was like, what the heck does that mean? That is one that I have not heard, which all of you know, there are some weird phrases that we've heard in this movie that I have been familiar with, but this is not one of them. And um, I found this blog where this blogger talks about brass tacks the idiom and this person says that the source that it came from is actually it's actually an american idiom hmm. and it's from texas or what? at least what? at least for those who don't know we're we're from Texas. This person, this writer says that at least the first writings that it showed up in was in Texas. So, I mean, it could possibly be from somewhere else, but they think it's Texan. But basically, 
It means getting back to basics or the essentials. So it's talking about the most important details of situation. And I think they said that it stems from the brass tacks that you fit on a chair when you finished upholstering it. Or possibly it could come from the brass tacks or nails that you put in a coffin after you've <laughs> <closing> <laughs> it up. <laughs> so, not completely sure, but um, those are some possible sources for where the idiom came from. Huh. Interesting, right? So, it's like getting down to details? Yep, getting back to the basics. So, if you listen, if you look at the whole phrase of what he says, he says... This is Cogsworth. This is Cogsworth. He says... Far from fools made of wax, I'll get down to brass tacks and relax when I'm human again. So basically, he's saying Lumiere is this fool made of wax who gets caught up in all these things that are not important, but I will go back to basics and relax just, you know, doing the basics. Okay, well, let's jump back a little bit. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Because <laughs> I did want to talk about the uh, the transition as we go out from the wardrobe. We actually get a good view of like the stable yards. And I thought it was kind of interesting that they put this in the stable yards because I think this is the only time we see this in the movie. You know, yes. They brought in this, this new set for us to check out, which kind of, you know, is good because you're like, oh, Philippe is just like around whenever Belle needs him, but they never show him in the castle. So this is where Philippe gets to stay and gets taken care of. And, you know, it's got servants down there too. But we have this shot that they do with Cogsworth and Mrs. Potts doing the American Gothic you know, painting thing. What's it called? Parody? Yes. Yeah. yeah Are you going to explain what the American Gothic is? So for people yes. who might not know, because I, I mean, I'm familiar with the painting, but I didn't know what the name of it was until I looked it up for this minute. So yeah. Yeah. So if you've never taken an art history class um, on American art, you'll recognize it once I describe it, but you've got the farmer with the pitchfork and the stern lady beside him. And there's typically a house or something in the background. It's been redone like a bajillion times, but the original painting is called American Gothic. It's by Grant Wood, and it was done in the 30s, 1930s. And it's super famous piece of art, you know, like American art, and it just blew up in popularity. And that's why you've seen it like in a ton of movies and, you know, people redo it all the time. But he was just kind of uh, wanting to do this house and kind of the typical people that you might see in that house is this guy from Iowa. It's pretty funny because if you look at the original, the farmer is Grant's dentist. The model was his dentist, right? Yes, the model was his dentist and the model for the, the woman. And we don't know if it's supposed to be a wife or a daughter or whatever. Um, that was his sister. So I thought that was kind of funny that he uses dentist as a model. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a good choice. It fits and it's classic. Um, have you ever seen The Music Man? Have I seen The Music Man? Yeah. I was the constable in The Music Man. What? Yeah. Nuh-uh. Yeah. I never knew. That's cool. So for anyone who's seen Music Man, they did a parody of this picture in that as well during the song where they're talking about you're in Iowa or however they say it Iowa Iowa 
And I didn't realize that the artist was from Iowa or Iowa or however people (laughs) say it. (laughs) They have a whole segment in that song about how to say it. Yeah. Very sneaky Disney. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I didn't, I mean, I knew about the painting and a little bit about it, but I I dug in a little deeper for this episode and it's actually pretty crazy. So he entered this this painting in an art competition at the Art Institute of Chicago and they kind of just were like, meh. Um, (laughs) And then... And one of the museum patrons persuaded the jury to give it the bronze medal. So it won $300 competition. And then that same patron convinced the Art Institute to actually buy the painting. And (laughs) it's still in that collection. But it started getting reproduced and it kind of blew up after that. And so it got put in a bunch of papers. And then apparently when it showed up in the newspapers in his hometown in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, he got a lot of backlash because people didn't like how, you know, they were portrayed. They were like, we're not just a bunch of like Bible thumping, puritanical, stern Uh, farmers. And so some of the stuff I read said that one farmer's wife was so enraged that she threatened to bite his ear off. Another one suggested that he have his head bashed in. And he was like, whoa, like, I love Iowa. I didn't mean any offense. And... He said that... uh, It's just a painting. Yeah, he didn't do it as a caricature of Iowans, but kind of like showing his appreciation for the state and said he had to go to France to appreciate Iowa. So he just got like a ton of backlash from, you know, his local people about this painting once it blew up and everybody started thinking, oh, that's an Iowan farmer. But he got really popular, really famous, pretty much instantly as the the head of like American art in, in the States. Well, I guess in the world, but... It was more here in the States. And so within a few months, pretty much like everything, every painting he made was sold. Wow. So they don't know how, exactly how many paintings he has out there, but they're they're all purchased. And the huh. most recent one that sold, I think it was a few years ago, and it's just a landscape and it sold for close to $7 million. Oh, oh my goodness. Is he still alive? Uh, No, he died in okay. 1942. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Man. So, art history for you. I wonder what the name of the what the name of the person is who was the art patron who convinced them, oh, we should give it the bronze. Oh, we should buy it because that person is the person <laughs> who really made him famous. Because if it wasn't for that yeah. person, his life would not have taken that turn, right? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. One crazy. one little change. Yep, man. So getting back to the minute here, we go into the stables and it looks like Lumiere is brushing Philippe with the with a horse brush. Yeah, and, his like uh, candle hand is like actually in the in the strap. Strap. Yeah, so he's brushing him down and then Lumiere starts talking to Cogsworth and he pulls his hand out and the brush keeps going. <laughs> Uh, but I love <gasps> Philippe's face as he just like, he's watching Lumiere brush him and then Lumiere stops brushing and the brush keeps brushing and Philippe's like, what? <laughs> well, I like how it takes, it, it takes him a minute. He's just like, da, 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 and then like after a couple seconds, he's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. And then the goldfish. So was fish. that brush, so was that brush a person? I don't know. Uh, it doesn't have a face. It doesn't We have can't a- tell anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's so, so hard to tell. Well, then was the pitchfork and the buckets, none of them were servants? Because none of them have faces? Yeah, yeah. But you know there had to have been people who worked in the stables. It's true. We don't see any... 
like faced items in the stables working on stuff but there had to be stable boys and people to muck out the stalls and all that so i think i'm still leaning towards there are people that were animated into objects and then there were objects that were animated because the alternative theory in my head is that everyone's you know losing their their souls essentially their life force as time goes on yeah that's sadder it's more depressing that you know this brush used to be a little stable boy and he had a face and stuff but his life force is being sucked up and he's just gonna be a brush in the end and that is really sad i just think it doesn't make sense that there were so few actual servants before that's true place so i think i'm leaning to the sad one i mean i don't like it but it makes more sense to me logically yeah so the big question though of this minute is where did that goldfish come from i know right because he comes out of the (sighs) like horse water bucket or cleaning bucket or whatever that is and he's got a goldfish and it's obviously just to be funny (laughs) but like why would there be a goldfish in there and then he just lets it go and it does not fall back in the bucket so there's that little goldfish flopping around dying on the stable floors Disney put funny in just for funny. And I learned in theater that you don't do funny just because it's funny. (laughs) You don't never cut funny. That's like something that some people, like they live by, some directors, they'll say, you don't cut funny. Well, I'm sorry. If it does not add to the storytelling, you cut funny. You figure out something else <laughs> that's funny and add it that works. So you talked a little bit about the the lines that Cogsworth has here already. Yes. But I wanted to hit the one. I think it's right before the brass tax line. He's talking about when they're human again, he says, in a shack by the sea, I'll sit back sipping tea. Uh, let my early retirement commence. So at first I was like, well, that's more proof to our theory that he and Mrs. Potts are imports that the beast family brought in to take care of him you know they're the the english servants that they hired and brought over from england don't we know that just because of their accent though well that that's why we thought that is because of their oh, accent. okay because they're the only okay. ones that have you know the british english that's accent the or whatever reason for why yeah and then when he was saying okay. you know i'm sipping tea by the sea I was like, well, that sounds like, yeah, that's a British thing to do. It's very British. So I looked it up and from the dailytea.com, they had an article about the French <laughs> and tea. And so apparently French people started drinking tea before it was popular with the British back in like 1639. It says there was a cardinal that started drinking tea and then it was adopted by the wealthy and the, the French courts and they loved the tea like being elegant with their cup of tea and their healthy food. And so huh. it talked about like Louis fourteen, which is right around this time period that the Beauty and the Beast is, said he eagerly, eagerly drank tea and the bourgeois, they became enamored with it and it, you know, became a part of their daily life. And so they drank a lot of tea, but the reason we don't think of like France and tea, we think of France and wine and British and tea is because tea in France at that time, it was just like the bourgeois and the the wealthy that drank tea. So it never went down to like the common huh. people. And so we had the whole like French revolution thing and, you know, it was oh. kind of seen as this decadent thing and an indulgence and it was you know the common people didn't like it crush it so uh one of the things it said (laughs) is that some authors joke that the tea drinking suffered the same fate as marie antoinette and louis 14 and it met its end with the guillotine so yeah that's so interesting yeah i never knew that yeah so then the question is does 
that help or hurt our theory about Cogsworth and Mrs. Potts being English. Because, I mean, it could go either way. You know, he could mm. still be English and just be talking about tea. Or he could be French and be like, hey, you know, when we're human again, I'm going to live the high life. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be in a shack, but I'm going to be by the sea. I'm going to be drinking this fancy, elegant drink. Hmm. I still like to think that he's he's English just because of the I accents. think he's English. I mean, it's pretty obvious he's English. Yeah. But interesting history. Um, the one thing about this segment of his lyrics that stuck out to me was, which is less striking than your observations, but I don't understand why he wants to live in a shack. Mm -hmm. To me, I was like, um, that seems rather the opposite of what I would think Cogsworth would want. I mean, yeah. I can imagine him wanting to be in a cottage, a townhouse, a chateau, uh, anything but a shack. I mean, that just seems the shack has a connotation of run down, mm -hmm. beat up, small, unimportant, like, and that is none of those things are Cogsworth. He prides himself on being the opposite of those things, I think. So I thought that was interesting. I'm sure they just did it because of rhyming, but still, I was like, that just doesn't yeah. really fit. <gasps> so I'm just making up some backstory here. Ooh, as do we're, it. As we're going along. And what if Cogsworth was, I mean, he probably was. If he's English, he was probably in the military at some point. They're all about that, I'm assuming. From the, from the <laughs> movies and shows I've seen. Uh -huh. Yeah, the British are all about being serving your time in the military. Right. So what if he was in the military and he's actually like this very disciplined, but kind of a simplistic person. So his idea of retirement is, hey, I'm going to get away from all this elegance I have to take care of in this huge household Ooh. that's a headache to me. And, you know, instead of managing that and taking care of that, I just want to live in my little shack by the sea by myself, kind of roughing it out. But I have my tea and I can just relax and don't have to worry about the upkeep of a big household or anything. Ooh, I like it. Interesting. And that would also, you know, be part of why he is so organized and, you know, by the clock right. and by the book because he was in the military. Why is he such a, I mean, I guess tense, not really tense, but he's just so... Tightly wound? He's kind of froofy to me. <laughs> froofy? Yeah. You know what I mean? I do not think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> I'm sure it does because I'm sure I probably made it up. <laughs> so if I made it up, it definitely means exactly what I think it means. You know, like just kind of, uh, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for. That's a real word. Not froofy, but just prissy, you know? Prissy. prissy. Yeah. That is a real word. That is a real word. <laughs> just kind of like, I mean, I guess you could just say he's tightly wound, but it just seems kind of froofy. I don't know. <laughs> That's the best word I can think of to describe it. Now you got me trying to find a definition for froofy. Froofy, Sorry. adjective, comparative, more froofy, blah, 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 blah. Frilly, heavily ornamented, fancy, overly elaborate. Eh, okay. Kind of, yeah. Just like, <laughs> it's kind of a sissy. I don't yeah, know. It's, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Okay, this is me using words I don't really know. It just sounds right. Usually I'm correct, <laughs> though. That's you using words I don't know. Using words anyway. we both don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it happens, people. It happens. You're welcome, everyone. We learned a new word, froofy. It's a real word. I didn't just make it up because Bobby found something on the internet that explained what it means. Someone on the internet published a page. <laughs> it must <laughs> so be it true. So it must be true. 
world we uh. live in, you guys. Okay. Side note, I was watching TV the other day, which I do now, sometimes now that I don't have internet to watch like YouTube or anything (laughs) or Netflix. So I was watching TV and there was this commercial that came on. It is for Apple. It's an Apple commercial. There is this girl and she's like a teenager or, you know, young millennial. And she has this like tablet basically that... She's taking with her everywhere and doing everything with, and it shows her doing all these different things with it. And then she's at home later in her backyard and her mom or somebody comes out and is like, hey, what are you doing on your computer? And this girl says, I quote, what's a computer? Mm. And I was like, what? What is the world coming to? That is not even a thing. A tablet is still a computer. (laughs) But nobody really calls it a computer. Like you think computer. computer. You think of a laptop or a desktop. Y'all, the kids that I, the kids that I um, sub for at like public schools, they call their laptops, what do they call them? MacBooks or something or their something books. And I'm like, it's a computer. It's a laptop, people. (laughs) Well, and it's not even that easy anymore because most people don't have desktops. It's pretty, I think, uncommon right. for someone to have a desktop anymore. Unless you're my parents. Unless you're doing like a lot of editing or, you know, stuff that you need a lot of power for. You can't just rely on a laptop. So I built a desktop, but mostly people have laptops. But now there's kind of a hazy line of distinction between laptops and stuff like netbooks, like, you know, like a Chromebook or something like that. That's laptop looking, but not really a laptop. You know, it's not a computer. It's a netbook. You can't use it unless you're on the internet and you can only use it for the internet stuff oh mm-hmm. so like we were just at a, a work party and they gave away a chromebook and everybody was like "Ooh, a laptop and i was like well it's chromebook not- that's what it's called yeah it's not really a laptop i mean you can't like it's not no because you you can only use it on the internet it's basically oh. a chrome machine so oh my gosh which is fine i mean like most of the stuff i do is on chrome you know in 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 the cloud type of stuff right so if that's all you need to do that's fine if you're in college you know, it's probably the perfect thing for you. You're never not connected to the internet. It has everything you need, but you can't upload programs to it and use it unless you're on the internet. How weird. Yeah. So, I mean. Technology, y'all. We're moving away from computers being like a desktop with a monitor and keyboard. Right. And a smartphone is a computer, but we don't think of it like that. You know, right, a smart right. watch is a computer. Why are we talking about computers? <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) That's too funny. (laughs) Okay. We're talking about it because I brought it up for some reason. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. We gotta we gotta wrap this up. Sorry guys. Okay. (laughs) I did say side note and you just went with it, okay? (laughs) I didn't mean to go that far into it. Um Uh, tech podcast. So anyway, moving on, we see Cogsworth, he has this rag that he uses and he flips on Lumiere to put out his candle and uh, calls him a full made of wax. Yeah, full made of wax. And then Lumiere takes it from him after he's like, he uses it to like dry off and then he flips it on Lumiere and then Lumiere takes it and like whips him with it. He like swirls it around and whips 
Cogsworth yeah. with it and makes him fall into the bucket again. We used to call that a rat tail. A rat tail, that was called. And then he like just flips it over his arm like he's this like suave waiter who just, you know, uses that rag. Mm-hmm. He does his, uh, his maitre d' thing. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, I just love how much they're pushing each other's buttons here. This is more true to their characters, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Than some of the things in the last couple minutes. Well, and I wonder if that's because this song was originally written in the movie. So they might have gone through and done the animation or at least done some of, they might have done some of the storyboarding for this previously and then just not put it in the movie. Because, you know, this was supposed to be in the movie. So maybe some of the stuff uh, was is more original and just yes. got taken out. Well, I did look up a little bit about this. They did have an original storyboard, but this song was supposed to be 11 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And that's a really long song. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't working, so they took it out of the movie and replaced it with the Something There song, which we just saw a little bit ago, and um, which was, I think, a very, very good choice. But they, I think they re-storyboarded it because mm. they didn't think about putting it back in the movie until after Alan Menken and Tim Rice redid this song for the Broadway version. So, um, which the Broadway version has some other songs also that are not in the original movie. So it wasn't until they fixed a lot of the plot problems in the song for Broadway that they decided to put it in the movie here. And it's funny, I was reading how, um, where is this? The, sorry, hold on, I'm looking this up. Who was it? Don, Don Han? Is that how you say his last name? Don Han? Don Han. I think Han. I don't know. <laughs> I think it was Han. Don Han. So Don Han said that he was sitting around with Kirk and Gary, the directors, one day, and they were talking about the Star Wars special edition movie that had just come out. Mm-hmm. And Kirk Weiss was like, oh, hey, wouldn't it be fun to do a special edition of Beauty and the Beast? And we could like put human again in and we could put new material in it. Wouldn't that be cool? And they were joking about it. And then the feature animation at Disney, their department were like, hey, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And so then they got serious about it and started working on it. They had lots of the same animators and background painters and artists from the original movie in it. And I did find out last, the last minute I was wondering, was it the original people who sung this and when they recorded it? And I don't know when they recorded it, but I do know, I believe that all the original main characters, Jerry Orbach, David Ogden, Sears, Angela Lansbury, and Joanne Worley, I think they all did the singing for this minute, which... Makes me very, very happy. Yay! Yay! So that's a little bit about the history of the song that I found out last time that we didn't know or talk about. Awesome! I love learning about stuff like that. So interesting. I guess it's only interesting if you love the movie. If it was a movie I didn't care about, I'd be like, whatever. But it's Beauty and the Beast, so. So we love it. Cool, cool, cool. So my last note for the minute well, last two quick ones is, well, I guess there are three, but we go, <laughs> we go into this well. room where they're all brooming and sweeping up. And first, they don't have any dustpans. They're just brushing all the dust around, like this huge cloud of dust all over the room. They're never going to get it clean. Secondly, if you look on the left-hand side over by the fireplace, there's like a statue or like a petrified person on the floor. He's like on his back with like his hands in the air. It looks like he just fell down or something. And it doesn't look like it's a statue that fell. It looks like somebody was 
I don't know, like Medusa-ized over by the fireplace. It's kind of weird. So what? check that out and uh, oh let us know what you think about that. It, it's weird. Maybe <laughs> maybe he was supposed to be like a table. You know how they had the tables with the people holding him up? Maybe there's supposed to be like a slab of wood on top of him and he's holding the table up for like a coffee table type huh. of thing. So wait, what room is this supposed to be? I think it's just a, a room. room. I don't think we've seen this use? one before. <laughs> I mean, it's a castle. There are a ton of rooms in Let's there. Let's clean all the rooms that nobody uses. Yeah, they have to clean the whole castle. So they can fall in love. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah. And then uh, we have your your coat hanger guy in the last seconds of this. Or no, not the last seconds. The the second to last seconds. He pulls down the, the drapes from the giant window. I believe that's your coat hanger guy, right? Yeah. Who's also the barber. Yeah, the barber coat hanger violinist <laughs> yeah he's a jack of all trades we yeah. should come up with a name for him jack ah <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness such a <sighs> smart alec thank you mm. okay well uh that's all i got <laughs> well i have some more but uh for time's sake that those are the good ones those are the yeah. good ones I will just say that I am pleased to announce that I definitely enjoyed this minute much more than the last yes. two. I mean, once you get into the song, the actual song, you it, it's catchy. I like the chorus parts um, where they're talking about, they're like all talking together about, uh, so sweep the dust from the floor, let some light in the room. I can feel I can tell someone might break the spell any, any day, day now. Any day now. Um, so it's some good, good melody, good lyrics. You kind of, I feel like at the end of this minute, when they're all singing those lyrics is when I finally feel like there's kind of this excitement that you get when you're like, okay, something is about to happen. Maybe something magical is about to change. And you can feel the emotions that all of these people have about the situation, about the hope that they have for the future, that mm -hmm. possibly something is about to change. And I just love that sense and feeling of hope that I got when I was watching the end of this minute. So I hope all of you listening as you're watching this minute sense that excitement and hope that they give you at the end of this minute. And that's all my notes. Yay. That's a wrap, <laughs> guys. That's minute, what is this, minute 56. Uh-huh. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We appreciate you. And we have a good time talking about this movie. So we hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoy talking about it. Indeed. Okay. As always, if you want to get a hold of us or uh, contact us between now and the next episode or anytime, check us out on social media. We are Beastly Minute all over the place. Thank you to Duo Handsome for our music, to Megan the Cartoonist for our artwork, to all of you for listening, for checking it out. Uh, this episode's coming out right before Christmas. So Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy all those happy holidays. holidays, Happy Holidays to everyone, Happy Vacation, Happy Vacation to everybody. Hopefully, <laughs> Hopefully. it is fun for you Vacation. guys. If you want to buy yourself a Christmas present, head over to our T Public store. Um, there should be links on our website. You can buy our podcast artwork on shirts and mugs and all that stuff, and help support the podcast a little bit. We do have a little money coming in from that, and it's definitely helping to cover costs of hosting and all that jazz. And I'm working on getting a Patreon setup if you guys love the show and want to show that by paying us a little bit of money um, for doing it. <laughs> that would be awesome. So 
Janae, how can people get a hold of you? If you want to get a hold of me, you are welcome to contact me at JanaeHyatt.com. There is a way to e- send me an email on the website, and I would love to hear from you. I am interested in any projects you may have where you need voiceover assistance, and I can get you set up. So thank you all for listening. Thank you for sharing. Um, for those of you who share this podcast with others around you who are interested, and we love you. Happy holidays, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, the editing you will have to do. Something is really different on a growler. I can't tell. Doing the basics, not dealing with all this fluffened. What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> fluffed. Do you like how sometimes I talk and then I get halfway through a sentence and then I Just stop space talking? Out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't space out. It's like I forget <laughs> the words <laughs> that I need to finish what I'm saying. And to finish what I was saying, I don't remember what I was saying. But interesting Hicks 3. Very history. Interesting. <laughs> it's not history. <laughs> Sorry, baby's crying. <laughs> I do not think that word means what you think it means. Why are we talking about computers? <laughs> Any day now. Any day now. I'm keeping your bones.